Testing, testing, one, two, three. Testing, testing, one, two, three. You are now listening to the Backlook Cinema Podcast with Zach and Zone. Thank you for joining us as we talk about the movies of yesteryear. You can reach us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter by searching for Backlook Cinema. Check our show notes for more info. And now, let's get it in. This is Zach. And this is Zoe. And welcome to the Backlook Cinema Podcast with Zach and Zoe. And this is our 21st episode. Now, remember last episode I said it was 19th episode? Yeah, I know. I was going to correct you on that. But I was like, eh, he's going to find out later and post-edit. <laughs> yes, I did find out later in a post-edit. And I had to put a, what you call it, uh, a notification at the beginning of the show saying, you know, making a correction before we started. Because all that time I kept saying, this is the 19th episode. This is the 19th episode. It wasn't the 19th episode. It was the 20th episode. And it's kind of messed up because I could have made a big deal about it being the 20th episode. You know, I could have been like, yay. And I could have made all kind of puns and whatnot. But I missed my chance. I have to wait to, I guess, the 50th episode. I guess. I don't know uh-huh. how it's going to work out. Uh-huh. But this here show is actually the 21st episode. Yes. Like the 21st century. There. There's... There's a connection. No. So the reason we started this show was to strengthen our bond. I, Zoe, and my son, Zach, watch movies that I loved when I was growing up in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And we get Zach's impressions of these great movies. Oh, so you can get t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, face masks, and a bunch of other items at our website, backlookcinema.com. Please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and other socials. The details are in the show notes. You can find details also at backlickcinema.com. You can leave us direct feedback, comments, suggestions, etc. And you can email us at fanmail at backlookcinema.com. And please, if you like our show, then rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app that you might be using. And I'm pleased to announce that we have two new podcatchers where you can listen to our show. There's Podcast Addict. The number one podcast app on Android. And Geo7. I hope I said that right. But anyway, it's the premier podcast based in India. So now you got two more ways of catching the show. Two more chances. Go check them out. Uh, so uh, we're going to talk a little about, about Justice League since we both saw it. Yeah, yeah. Four hours. And a 4-3 ratio by a madman, a madman named Zack Snyder. And yes, he is a madman. I don't think it was exactly 4-3, but it was it was close enough. Uh yeah. It's like he made it for uh he made it that square aspect ratio because he wanted to show it in IMAX theaters, but hardly anyone can go to IMAX theaters. Because if you did see this on an IMAX, it would be real impressive. Have you been to an IMAX theater before? I probably have. If don't remember, you, but probably did. Well, if you don't remember, then you hadn't been, because it's it's an unforgettable experience. I went to, uh, I think I, the first time I went, it was at the National Air and Space Museum. And they were talking about going to a movie. I think we went twice. Maybe you did see it, but if you did go, it was you was a baby. Because <laughs> I think I only went to those theaters twice. But at the National Air and Space Museum, they didn't have regular movies. They just had movies that specifically focused on the museum or space or whatever. So... The screen is gigantic. It's like looking at a wall and it has a picture on it. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I can understand why he would put it in the aspect ratio. And then uh, I think in Batman v Superman, what he did was he uh, it was the regular theater aspect ratio. But then in IMAX theater, whenever it got to the action scenes, it would change up to 
the IMAX's uh, square aspect ratio. Possibly. Or whatever. But it's like, you know, nobody can watch this movie in an IMAX theater or a regular theater, but most people are watching it at home, you know? <laughs> so if you can watch it at home, why don't you give us the home aspect ratio? How about that? <laughs> He's too much of a madman to do that. But uh, so uh, that that was the main thing that we did. Uh, so what did you think? It was good. Yeah, it was, it was good. I, I would say that it was a vast improvement over uh, the original. Although there were some some things that happened in the original, some jokes and whatnot, that was in the original version that I kind of missed out on. Uh, I missed watching the the newer version. Like I missed uh, I missed that uh, cyborg says booyah. I missed that, <laughs> which is it's a nice callback to the cyborg on the Teen Titans uh, TV show. Uh, I missed, um, what you call it? Because uh, you didn't see the original version, right? No, I didn't. Right. So there, in the original version, there's this joke where, remember they're all in a meeting? Yeah, I know. They're in a meeting, and then Aquaman is letting out his feelings. Right, he's letting out his feelings. And then one of them was like, you know, you're sitting on something. Yeah, Batman like, was cluing him in. Batman was letting know he's sitting on And then on he's that, like, oh, I'm sitting on the last of the he was, he was pouring out all his feelings to the group, talking about, I'm afraid to die. I'm gonna, I'll tell you straight up. <laughs> <laughs> basically revealing things about himself that he would probably rather uh you know remain hidden and um but then they added a bunch of stuff that basically uh over that that more than compensates for for what we lost so they totally built out uh cyborg's entire story arc he's not just a bit character he he's like the one of the main characters in this movie uh the movie doesn't exactly start with him but it basically ends with him um, uh, the a lot of the fights were were way better. The uh, like the fight at the end of the movie was was way more satisfying. The the fights in between that they replaced it with th- those were great. So, um, I'll admit that Stefan will looks a little bit better now than he did in uh, in the original version <laughs> because the, in the original, well, I shouldn't say the original. I should say theatrical because who who knows what original is anymore. So in the theatrical version, it, it was like it looked like unfinished CGI. That's what it looked like. But in this version, it was uh, way more polished. Basically, the the basic design is the same, but you could tell it. I feel like they used it in. Uh, they basically rebuilt him because it is. Well, I don't know. Maybe rebuilt is too strong of a word. But like his his face is different. His armor is different. A lot of the portion of his body is different. Looks like he has two thumbs on his hand. <laughs> and and of course they uh they introduced Dark Side. So oh no, it was uh it, it was pretty decent. It like my my main fear was that I was gonna watch it and it was gonna be worse. But I watched it, it was a little bit better. They did add a bunch of stuff that didn't need to be there. Uh, all that slow motion Lois Lane. That none of that need to be in there. Uh, Martian Manhunter, he did not need to be in there. If he had released this theatrically, a lot of that stuff would have been cut out and then added to a special director's edition of the DVD or a Blu-ray. But uh, of course, we didn't get that. So he gave us the the Blu-ray edition from from Jump Street. <laughs> so anyway, uh, you, you got anything you want to say about this? Nope. No, uh, and you didn't see Falcon and the Winter Soldier yet. No, well, you you should watch that. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's way better. Oh. <laughs> so what else, what else you been up to? Uh, nothing much. Been playing the Scott Pilgrim game that you know which re released. Right. Man, that's just about it, basically. Right. Ain't read no books. No. 
ain't doing nothing like that? No. What, what other things you could be doing? I mean, I did get two figures that I built. Yeah, I, I expect you'd be getting a lot of figures. Yeah, slow down on that. Yeah, all of a sudden, you almost got no place to live. Uh, as soon as there's going to be figures and you ain't going to have no place to, to walk around in this uh -huh. room. So, uh, I've been uh, still reading uh, my book, or listening to it anyway. I think it's called Deadly Acquisitions or Bloody Acquisitions. You still never wrote it down to make sure you got it right? No, no, still didn't write. It's something about acquisitions. It's either deadly or bloody because it has something to do with a vampire. It's just a boring old vampire just trying to be an accountant and uh, people trying to do him in. That's, it's like, I don't want to suck your blood. I, I get my blood from a blood bank. I got this deal. I got a dealer for my blood. I just want to do your taxes, run this business. Y'all can miss me with that nonsense. So that's that's how the book goes. But uh, So he doesn't go out looking for adventure. Adventure finds him. It's a pretty good book. If you know what book I'm talking about, go check it out. Anyways, <laughs> and uh, I've been playing uh, Outriders because uh, I think it's a limited demo. I don't know if you remember a time. There was a time when um, you used to get magazines. And they came with a disc. They came cool with a demo demos. Disc. And you could play that demo disc over and over and over again. It was yours. It was a free piece of the game. It might have been one level or half a level or something like that, but they were fun. And I just realized, uh, playing the Outriders demo, that companies have largely stopped doing that. There's like there's no demos anymore. So Outriders is refreshing that it's a demo that you can play at least until the end of March. I mean, that's what I feel like game companies should be doing, is yeah. releasing demos so people can get a taste of what the game can feel like so they know if they want to get it or not. Right. Normally what they do is they just deal with the... Like, oh, here's a game trailer. This is not the final game product. Yeah, here's right. a game trailer. Right. They, they just do game trailers. Normally what they do is that they uh, they give a preview of the game to uh, influencers. Like, they'll they'll give them a free copy or whatever. And then the influencers will tell you what they think. And that's fine and all. But what about the rest of us? What about the normal people who don't have that kind of access? At times I feel like they're just doing it so people don't... Just get the demo. Like, I'm just trying with the demo. And then don't pay for the game. Well, if they just get the demo and don't play for the game, that means that your game sucks. Or it's not that compelling. I, like, if they gave... Uh, if Avengers was just a demo, then they probably wouldn't have sold a bunch of copies. Or uh, if they gave out... What's that one? Uh, Cyberpunk 2077 as a demo. They can cancel Christmas. Nobody would have bought that game. I mean, I understand. Because <laughs> when, when, when uh, the Scott Pilgrim game first came out, I only played a demo. I was like, I really want to get it. But, you know, as a kid, didn't have the money. Right, right. So I never bothered on asking, ooh, can I get this? Right, right, right. So, but that's the thing, though. Um, it, you get a demo, and it gives you the taste of the game. And then it, if it's a good game, you want to buy it. So I actually appreciate that. that hopefully, they'll bring it back. They bring back the, the demo. But actually, I think Xbox is killing that because with uh, Xbox Game Pass... If you got a subscription, you ain't, you got the whole game already. It don't even matter. Don't matter no more. <laughs> so, as a, yeah. So, yeah. It, it don't even matter no more now, I guess. And then I think soon PlayStation will probably follow them. And that'll make demos obsolete. But this, having a demo is a nice throwback. I'm just sorry that it's a limited time demo. So, uh, so that's why I've been trying to play it this weekend. And um, I probably won't get a chance to play it next weekend. But it's an all right game. It just gets... Way too hard, too quick. <laughs> I mean, if you play if you play Destiny before, you get used to it. Uh, yeah. All you played was uh, Gears of War, so you're not used to it yet. Right, right. Uh, so yeah, I'm not. Well, that's it's not really my style of play. 
I like to find cover and take pot shots and then move forward. That's how I, and that basically gives a word. That, that's, that's right. I, uh, it's way too much going on in the Outriders for me. The enemies are too smart. And I got superpowers, and so do they. So, <laughs> and that uh, it, it's it's a little tough. It's like he he has powers, and he eats bullets. Come on now, that's 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 a little rough. So, anyways, <laughs> uh, so that's that's basically how I was going. So, um, let's see what, what what's next on the docket. Um, oh, I guess I should go ahead and talk about. Uh, the the movie that we're doing right now, and what's that movie called? New Jack City. New Jack City. Stop. New Stop. Jack no. City. No. Living just enough. No. For the city I live in. Just, no. just enough. All right, go ahead. A crime lord ascends to power and becomes megalomaniac, while a ma uh, <clears throat> maverick police detective vows to stop him. Yep, that's about the gist of it. This movie was released in March 8, 1991 by Warner Brothers. It grossed over $47 million in the U.S. and Canada on an $8 million budget. It had, uh, it says middling reviews right here, but it's actually, it, had a, it had great reviews. This, this is a great movie. People love this movie. This is a mega hit. This is a mega mega hit they only had to spend eight million dollars to make this movie and they made almost 15 million dollars off of eight million dollars investment that that's incredible I mean, it worked yes it did work so uh this movie stars wesley snipes as nino brown uh this is i think this is his first starring role and it's probably the first movie that he he appeared in and he he's uh prolific actor he, he's been ever he's just had a career that just won't stop he he's an actor that's not going to stay down he's had some downtime and he pops back up he's a superstar uh he played as i said he played Nino brown he's uh appeared in blade all of the blade movies because he's blade uh he's <laughs> he was a demolition man white men can't jump and more recently Dolomite is my name, and Coming to America, too. And then there's Ice-T. He played Scotty Appleton. He was also in Colors, Tank Girl, Law & Order. Wait a minute. I put Colors. He, I don't think he was actually in Colors. I think he just sang the theme song for Colors. He, he's, he sang the main song on the soundtrack. But he was in Tank Girl as a damn kangaroo. And uh, lately, and forever I, I think people were born and have died only knowing him from law and order svu uh alan payne as g money he was in the perfect storm cb4 and house of pain chris rock as pookie who was in the longest yard head of the head of state madagascar lethal weapon 5 and yes we mean all madagascar films right. so yeah there's no point <laughs> Which one did he play in Madagascar? He was a zebra. Right, I remember right, right, clearly. Right. And um, oh, excuse me. So uh, I I don't know if CB4 is gonna make it on this podcast, but it is a trip. So CB4 actually starred both Alan Payne and Chris Rock, and and that movie is is a comedy and it's super. Tri it, it's like stupid funny. It's like it's it's that kind of funny. It's stupid funny. So uh, and um. 
What was I gonna say? Yeah, Chris Rock was like a, a superstar comedian. Just just an absolute superstar comedian. It's like if he's not like on stage entertaining millions and millions of people, he's in uh blockbuster movies. So also we have Mario Van Peebles as Stone. He stars in Badass Posse, Highlander, The Final Dimension. Uh so um usually he he directs or produce produces most of his movies. But um he like started off and this is his first feature film and like he just started off just just I mean when I was growing up he seemed to be it, it seemed like he was everywhere. You don't see him much now. I I guess if you watch the watch if you watch the right TV shows cuz he directs a lot of television, you might catch him every now and again. But it seemed like when I was growing up he, it's, it was like he was everywhere. It's like I want to see a Marvel Van Peebles movie. <laughs> That's what, like it, it seemed like it was in the beginning. Uh we also have Michael Michelle as Selena. Uh Michael is a woman, just to let you guys know. Billy Nunn as Dun Dun, Duh 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 Man. No, no, you're saying it wrong. I knew you was going to mess this up. Uh-huh. Duh 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 Man. Duh 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 Man. Okay, yeah, sure. Remember, duh 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 Man. Remember how they said it in the movie? Yeah, because he has a stutter. Yeah, right. Okay. That's Duh 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 Man. Uh-huh. He was in Spider-Man. Not you remember really. where he was in Spider-Man? No. Um, the, the first Spider-Man movies, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. Uh, was he in all three or just in the first he one? He was in all three. He was like one of the essential supporting characters. I don't know then. So uh, he worked at the Daily Bugle. He was one of the very few. Oh, guys. you're talking about the guy that reported to James at time. Right, Him. right. Okay. He was the editor, uh, uh, or the main editor at uh, the Daily Bugle. Right. So um, he's been in a bunch of other movies, but that's what I remember him from. Uh, who else is in the movie? We have Russell Russell Wong. Yeah. As Park. Yeah. I remember him, seeing him in other, especially Kung Fu movies. But I, I, I couldn't tell you which ones. Uh, we also have uh, Christopher Williams as Karim Akbar. Now, can you, you have a guess who Christopher Williams was? I'm guessing the guy who took the fall. No, that's, that was the, that, that, oh, you're talking about take the fall at the yeah. end of the movie. Yeah. That, that was, okay. that was Karim Akbar. That was played by Christopher Williams. And he's notable. Uh, well, there were a lot of musicians in this movie. You had uh, as like playing roles. So you had Ice T, obviously. You had I'm trying to think who was another one. I, I oh I, so you remember that preacher man that was with the drug dealer uh-huh. near the end of the movie. So that preacher man, he was a part of a duo called Ashford and Simpson. Uh-huh. So he was in a movie, and uh and and you had uh, Christopher Williams in an in the early '90s. He was a superstar singer, uh, and um, he was a uh, he had a hit he had a hit record, and he sang songs like "I Talk to Myself," and uh, it goes, "I talk to myself because there is no one to talk to." People ask me why, why I do what I do. That's the song. Uh-huh. It's a dumb song, right? Yes. It, I'm not crazy, right? It's a dumb song, but I love that dumb song. I love that. I, I even back then, knowing it was dumb, it was like it was repulsive, but I couldn't stop listening to it. It was that kind of song. Horrible. Also, it was Judd Nelson playing Nick Peretti. He was in The Breakfast Club, St. Elmo's Fire, The Transformers, the movie. Uh, in the beginning, he was like, like because of The Breakfast Club and St. Elmo's Fire, these were like the hot item movies and he was in both of them so 
people thought his career was going to just skyrocket and take off. And for some people, it did. But for him, not precisely. It's like early, early in his, uh, you know, his acting career, you know, you kind of seen him and then he kind of fizzled out. Now you just basically see him on television or cable movies or whatever. But tr the Transformers, the movie, can you guess what part he played in there? Hot Rod? That's right. He was Hot Rod. <laughs> I had to take a while because I was like, can't be Optimus. That's, that's a fact. Not right. Optimus, not uh, Megatron. It has to be someone right. that had to place a different audible. It had to be Hot Rod. Right. Not Cup. Not uh, any other. Yeah, it was It was definitely Hot Rod. So also, uh, what's the last actress? Uh, Vanessa Williams. She was Kinesa. She was in Candyman, The Flash, and Days of Our Lives. Right. So uh, Vanessa Williams is... Um, this is a different actress than Vanessa Williams, the singer and Miss USA. Because I, I got kind of confused. I had to look it up. So that's that's what the deal is. This is a different Vanessa Williams. Sometimes they use their middle initial to different each other, but sometimes they don't. So <laughs> so this Vanessa Williams, all she does is act. She doesn't sing. Um, this movie was directed by Mario Van Peebles. It was his first movie. He also directed Posse. Panther, badass. I say it like that because there are five S's. And perhaps it's supposed to be pronounced badass, but I'm just going the way it's written. So badass. And uh, he directed episodes of Law and Order, Damages, and Empire. It was written by Thomas Lee Wright and Barry Michael Cooper. 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 Oh, you were so close. You're so close. <laughs> uh, the music was by Vassal Benford and Michael Colombier. So Colombier, he was a composer on How Stellar got a groove back, Foxfire, and Bob Wire, along with a bunch of other movies. Although uh, I'm not exactly sure what Vassal Benford role was, but I'm I guess that he was uh, he dealt with putting the the soundtrack together. So this is one of those movies where the the main soundtrack isn't the orchestral score. The main soundtrack is is the the what you call it, the hip hop and pop music that they use throughout the whole movie. Most of this movie was made specifically for this movie, and this was an outstanding soundtrack. It's one of the greatest film soundtracks of all time uh, that was put together by the hottest artists of the early '90s. So, uh, sort of, uh, I got uh, a sample of some of the. Soundtrack songs in the soundtrack. So, what was the first one? The first one is New Jack Hustler by Ice T. Yeah, that was the first song you heard when the when Ice T is chasing uh Chris Rock. Yep. Yeah, it's the first one. <laughs> so, it's like they introduce him and his song in the soundtrack. Uh, also, I'm Dreaming by Christopher Williams. That is also a dumb song. Also, a song that I am ashamed to admit that I like, even though at the time Horrible. I knew it was dumb. Horrible. New Jack City by Guy. Right. Really? So, this guy? Okay. Right, right. Oh, you don't know. That guy was an awesome group. So, and you don't even know who Teddy Riley is, and that's a shame. So, Teddy Riley, he's, a, he's another superstar producer. They did a versus with him and uh, somebody else. So, uh, Teddy Riley, he, he started a number of groups. So, one of the groups he started was Guy. There's another group he started was uh, Blackstreet. You familiar with Blackstreet? I'm pretty sure. You probably heard the music before. And then uh, another group he did was, uh, I can't remember, but it was a third group. Now, anyways, and, and you know, he produced a lot of 
other acts. But um, and there's a club scene, and you notice that when you're watching this movie, when somebody's singing and they linger on the singers, those are actual singers, <laughs> just not just actors. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> they're, they're the actual singers. They're right, the real right. Ones. It's like the, the camera's lingering on them way too long. <laughs> <laughs> it was like we paid them. We gotta keep the camera on them. We already know the deal. Right. So, well, no, it's not. It's not that. It's that they were super hot at the time. So. You know, people who watch the movie, they they also love. You know, you also got someone else to put on the list. Who? Flavor Flav, because he was also. Yeah, he may not, but he was still in the movie. He had lines. Okay, I mean, yeah, Flavor Flav was in the movie as a DJ. (laughs) So, uh, what you call it? Um, So, if if you remember the club scene and uh, these guys were singing, and the the camera was lingering on those guys, yeah. yeah, that was guy. Uh, I'm still waiting by Johnny Gill. There you go, telling me no again by Ke- Keith. Yeah, yeah, Keith Sweat. Right, that's an interesting name, isn't it? Yeah. So I don't know if he was singing that song uh, in a wedding in a wedding scene, but that was him in a wedding scene. He probably that was, was singing it, but he didn't put the camera on him as much. Um, for the love of money by Troop Lever. It's uh, it's actually two separate groups. Uh, Troop. Remember uh, near the beginning of the song, and it was yeah, there was a four, there was like I like think four five or five guys. of them, so and then true. after that, it was and only they, three of them, right. which I'm pretty sure are uh, the original members. So two of them left. No, 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 that's a different group. That's oh. Levert. So true, mm-hmm. uh, that's like the younger kids, and Levert, they're a little bit older. So it started off with True, and then uh, it ended in a, with a different group, Levert. Levert is a superstar group that uh, they were like an outstanding. Uh, group and they're actually two of the members were sons of another historic singing group called the OJs. I'm pretty sure you heard about the OJs or not. Possibly. I don't know. Possibly. <laughs> What's the last song? I Want to Sex You Up by Color Me Bad. Ooh, Stop. Stop. I want to sex you up. Stop. All right. Stop. <laughs> Just so. no. Oh, that was my favorite song of the whole movie. That was the first time I heard that song and I was like, Man, that's an awesome song. I love that song. So yeah, and uh, I shortly thereafter I, I bought their debut album. So <laughs> there were they didn't have any executive producers on this movie, which is strange. Uh, and so I, I just put the, um, I just listed all the producers, and uh, they are James Bigward, Suzanne Broderick, Fab Five Freddy, Preston L. Holmes, George Jackson, Doug McHenry, and Dwight Williams. Now here's what's funny. The, the reason I decided to put all the producers because I had to put down Fab Five Freddy. I don't even know who he is. It's just a strange name. <laughs> so you don't know who he is. You decided I, I know to put he has down. something to do with music. I guess he's a music producer. I don't oh. even know who he is. I did like barely any cursory research on him. And uh, and in my little bit of research, he's referenced in a couple of songs. So I'm like, why? So he he's more into the music industry, but he did do a couple of movies. Like he produced a couple of movies, so it, it's it's just weird, and it's just a fabulous name. So I was like, well, I want to put his name, so I'm gonna just put all our producers. Some of these are associate producers. Some of them got listed as producers. I didn't really care. I just they're all producers to me. I don't even care. <laughs> so, so we're gonna take a short break, and we'll be right back to talk about our favorite parts of the movie, some movie trivia, and find out what some of the credit thought. 
And now, coming soon to a store near you, Spaceballs the Flamethrower. You can use Spaceballs the Flamethrower for almost any occasion. You can melt the snow in your driveway. You can toast marshmallows. You can start a barbecue. You can make a campfire. Got a nosy neighbor or pesky intruder? Light them up. Want to light a cigar? No problem with Spaceballs the Flamethrower. Spaceballs the Flamethrower is easy to fuel, easy to use, with a self-explanatory advanced point-and-click delivery system. It's great for all ages. Spaceballs the Flamethrower will soon join our magnificent line of Spaceballs merchandise like Spaceballs the T-shirt, Spaceballs the coloring book, Spaceballs the lunchbox, Spaceballs the breakfast cereal, and many more. Spaceballs the Flamethrower! Kids just love it. And we're back. So, Zachary. Tell me, what was your favorite part of the movie? Uh, let's start with the beginning of the movie where you see G-Money hanging a guy by his legs over... I'm, I'm guessing that's the, not the Golden State Bridge. No, no, they're in New York City. They're in New York, so, so I don't know where... New York City has a bunch of bridges, so... Yeah, one of the bridges hanging a guy by his legs. And the guy is basically panicking because he didn't pay... Uh, can't remember his name. Can't remember his name. Nino Brown. Yeah, Nino Brown, because he didn't pay his uh, him his money, and you know. And he didn't he, have the drugs. He didn't have the drugs, and you know Nino's not upset because it's business. So he told G Money to just let him go. <laughs> he said, I, he, "He said one of my favorite lines in all of cinema: See ya, wouldn't want to be ya.'" <laughs> so yeah, he was hanging over. Uh, Daddy Dunn man was hanging the dude over with. By his ankles, and he was struggling to hold. Wait, that was da 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 man, not G, not G money. Huh? Uh, that was yeah, that was da 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 man, not G money. Right, right, right. Uh, another good one was when you see Pookie going up to um, is trying to sell drugs to uh, uh, what was his name? Starts with S. Well, Ice T. I, I just can't remember his name. <laughs> Curiously to... searching his notes. Scotty, that's what it was. Right, Scotty Appleton. So, Scotty Appleton you know, is uh, undercover. Undercover. So he's trying to sell him the drugs, but instead of him going through it, he just steals the money and run away. And as he's, you know, they have a huge, now I guess it's a huge chasing, goes right. after him. He's about, you know, before he even gets away, Scotty shoots him in the ankle. And he's like, I'm an undercover cop. And that's when you see another member there just looking at him. And I'm like, is he a cop too? What is he just standing there for? Because he's just standing there looking at him. Right, right, right. Like, okay, I and guess then he's the not other a cop. cops have to stop him, you know. And it's like that that was that was just wild. So uh, you know, he's he's running away. It's not somebody that you're supposed to shoot just because he's outrunning you. But I'm sure a lot of that happened back in the day. Or probably still happening now. Possibly. And uh they left that in the movie on purpose because you know that you know, a lot of people feel that that's basically how police act. So, um, and then it was around this time that uh, there was a the Rodney King shooting. So, as far as they was concerned, this is accurate. His <laughs> accurate portrayal yep. of police work, but it was also somewhat of an abomination. But uh, yeah, so you know, he uh, tackled Spooky to the ground, and that was that was a, that was a pretty good chase too. Uh, that was a fabulous chase. Uh, another good scene is when Scotty is trying to help Pookie get off. Is trying to help him kick the cocaine he's been using. Right, right, right. I was like, that's a good scene. Basically, trying to befriend him. Right. That that also confused me. I can't see that happening anywhere in life. 
It's like you arrested a dude and just out of the kindness of y'all, just apropos of nothing, you decided to help him kick the habit. <laughs> it was so weird to me. I mean, it's a crucial part of the movie for sure. But at the same time, I don't understand how that could possibly happen. Like if they introduced another character and the other character got him all cracked, or there was a reason that he they had to, or like if he was related, if they were related, like cousins or something, yeah, that, that would make fine. sense. But nope, nope, just just a stranger on the street. Like, well, I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get him off of drugs. I'm gonna have him commit. I'm gonna have him stay in my house. I'm gonna, yeah, that was him. another thing. I'm, I'm like, gonna comfort he's at him. your house, right? Why? I'm gonna comfort him as he goes through his withdrawal symptoms because uh, drug withdrawal, especially powerful drugs like crack, that's painful withdrawal. And then, uh, and then uh, he'll. I hope him be a productive member of society. So <laughs> that that was super strange for me. But like, it was a crucial part. Of, I mean, it's strange now. Before I was like, okay, fine, fine, whatever. Like when I first thought of him, but now I'm like, you know what? This joint is strange. <laughs> what uh, what else did you like? Uh, when Nito Brown calls everyone for the meeting, and he's pissed. Because oh yeah. Oh, because yeah. they had a rat in the system, right? And they had to take down everything that they worked to get, right? And as he's trying to figure out, you know, what's happening, is no one's gonna tell him. He has a cane, and in with that cane, he pulls out a sword. I'm like, oh, so it's one of those canes, right? <laughs> and at this point, you're thinking he's gonna go after G Money and stab him, but no. Instead, he stabs uh, was Akum? Uh, yeah. Akeem Akbar. Yeah, he stabs him in the hand and chokes him with this chain. Right. Tell him I never liked you pretty well. I'm like, wow. Right, right. <laughs> I never liked you anyway, pretty motherfucker. <laughs> you know, so everyone's there is threatened by him because they can notice how he's changing. It's not that he changed. They basically destroyed, they had to destroy the empire. Of course they had to destroy it. Because they, they, uh, the cops were on him. And it was all G-Money's fault because he decided he wanted to trust a crackhead around crack. You know? <laughs> he trusted a crackhead surrounded by... Because he knew that Pookie was a crackhead. They used to sell drugs to him. Yep. So they should have just let it go. It was like, no, you used to be on crack. You can't be in the drugstore where we keep all of the drugs. Uh, you might steal some of the drugs and, or you might get super high and you can't perform your duties. So... uh which he certainly did. Right. So what uh see originally so what happened is that um so Pookie is clean. He's been clean for like you you don't really get a sense of a time frame. It's like it starts in nineteen ninety five, no, nineteen eighty five, when they uh when Pookie first discovers the crack and uh and presents not not Pookie, I'm sorry. When uh, G Money first discovers money, right? He discovers crack. He sells it on the side. He decides they can make a lot of money. He brings it up to his brother Nino Brown. Uh, they're part of CMB, the Cash Money Brothers, I think. So they decide to sell crack almost exclusively. Uh, they make a plan and take over apartment building, and then um, the movie fast forwards kind of to nineteen. 90, uh, 1989, so 1985 to 1989. That's that's the years I was in high school. <laughs> so, so fast forward, and uh, basically the the empire is just humming along, making like a million dollars a week. And um, so so they know what the score is. So while this is going on, they and by by now, 
Pookie is off of drugs, we have to assume that it's been at least a couple of months since he was a drug addict. I mean, I mean he's still a drug addict. But with the way the montage went on how he was going to the classes, sleeping, Right, training. right, right. Yeah, you can say a couple of months. At least a couple of months. So he's supposed to be, he's quote, unquote, clean now. So um, the detectives, uh, Appleton, and he saddled with, uh, what's his name, the dude played by Judd Nelson. Um, let me scroll up here and find this information because I'm not on the right part either. Nick Peretti. So um, they're teamed up by uh, uh, Mario Van's pe people's character, who is Stone. And uh, their sole purpose is to take out Nino Brown and his criminal empire. So they decide to trust Pookie, the former drug addict, to infiltrate the uh, the Cash Money Brothers apartment building and uh, try to get dirt on Nino Brown, bring the evidence back to the cops, and then but that way uh, taking down Nino Brown's criminal empire. So uh, Pookie does get in, and he's a lookout on the tower, but then uh, the reason that um, Akbar got stabbed in the hand because he decided he wanted to promote uh, Pookie because Pookie been doing such a good job. So such a good job selling drugs as well. Well, no, the, well, got them more customers. Yeah, yeah, he brought them customers. So he was more than just lookout, but he was also bringing them more customers. So um, they brought him back to. Uh, he he brings him back to um, G Money. G Money says, "I right, we'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll put you in the drugstore. The drugstore is where they make the or put the drugs together. They don't make. Well, I guess they do make the drugs. They make the drugs, put the drugs together. They, it's like they make scripts in a drugstore, just like a regular drugstore. Yeah. So who, whatever, like the the buyer is like on a different part of the building. So the buyer puts in an order how many vials of crack that he want in the drugstore. After they finish making it, they put in the vials. They put in how many vials." whatever the dude pay for, they throw it down a chute, and, and it's a smooth operation. So that's where former drug addict Pookie is, surrounded by drugs. He's so tempted. The first night, he got so close to smoking crack, which was like, no, I'm not going to do it. But then however many nights or weeks later, he was like, he couldn't, he couldn't stop himself. He couldn't himself. resist and just he went for it. Yeah, he, he smuggled some, a, a vial, at least one vial in his mouth got home, started smoking crack, and now he's high the next day, and he draws attention to himself. Now G-Money comes in, and uh, they notice he's high, and they search him, they see that he's wired, so he's high and wired. <laughs> and uh, and uh, they decide they need to kill him. But also, they realize that the gig is up because uh, he's wired. The cops are in on him. They have to burn down the entire building and destroy all of their records and destroy all of the drugs, and then they have to bugger out of there. And uh, I mean, some of the records was on floppy disks, so they have to get those too. Right, they either have to snatch them up or destroy them. And uh, and now, now that he's called Pookie, he's like, "You gotta save me! You gotta save me, man!" It's like, man, you 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 dead now. <laughs> so uh, he he went on ahead and um. Well, uh, back to the meeting where it was at, you know, where uh, dude got stabbed. So, so G Money is G Money's fault, but uh, Akbar is the one that got stabbed. <laughs> Not only that, G Money is smoking his own crack too. Right, he was smoking crack, but he didn't 
and he was responsible with it. Like he wasn't high at work, you know. <laughs> he was, he kept it at home. Uh, uh, what other parts you notice? Uh, let's see. I'm trying to recall. Uh, I guess when uh, Scott, Scotty, no. As he looks on his phone. Uh huh. Hopefully not. Everything. Yeah, Scotty. Um, okay. Basically, he now goes undercover to get evidence of Nino Brown selling drugs. Right. So now that Pookie is dead, and uh, what's his name? Scotty feels that his cover is still pretty good. So he decides to go undercover, be a, be a drug dealer. He, he's going to be a drug supplier. And uh, he's going to supply um, the CMB with more drugs as they rebuild their criminal empire. So, um, and then G Money trying to make a deal on the side. And then, and then what's his name? Uh, what you call it? Uh, Scotty. I am so confused what I was talking or what I was about to say. <laughs> so he basically, uh, G, G Money is making a deal on the side with Scotty who is undercover as a drug dealer. That's what I want to say. Yeah. <laughs> so, so are you talking about when they first meet? Is that yeah? The when they first meet, right, 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 right. That that was that was pretty good. That was pretty smooth. You're this blindsided guy, I'm like, you're gonna do as we say. Right. You're gonna get us this meeting with G money. Right, right. Also, there was a subplot with the Italians. Oh, yeah, the Italians are there. The Italian like... mob. That that was pretty smooth. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what 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 else? What else? Looking at. Uh, Scotty's is basically is getting closer to Nino Brown, but Nino Brown still don't really trust him fully. Right. But right. he still, you know, keeps an eye on him, but still trusts him. Well, he don't trust a little, him at all. Not, not fully, but just a little bit, especially when he was, um, there was in that building and that old man came up about to shoot. Right. And right, Scotty right. grabbed him. It's kind of weird. And he's because... like, well, you had my back, but G Money didn't. Right, right. So the the weird thing is that he's supposed to be a drug supplier, but he's also acting like a henchman. That was a little bit confusing. That was. <laughs> like, yeah. He's both. Uh, I mean, normally drug supply. Well, I would think that drug suppliers don't just hang around the people that they're dealing drugs to. They just, you know, they just set up a meet or set up a, a situation. But I guess Nino Brown just wanted him around to see if he could trust him or whatever. Or not, not really trust him, but at least see that he's. Uh, reliable or whatever because he don't at this point after he lost his first after losing his apartment building he doesn't and when we say apartment building he took over the entire building <laughs> so after losing that apartment building he doesn't really trust anybody so uh i guess keep your knees closer or whatever yeah, so i guess right so yeah so this old man comes in and uh well actually what happened in this particular scene this is the scene where you had I can't. I don't know if his name is Ashford or Simpson. I mean, I know the group. I know the group as Ashford and Simpson, but I don't. The dude, who the dude in group, you guys who listen to the show, now, y'all know who I'm talking about. Is one of them. I guess it's Ashford. Well, let's pretend it's no. I, I don't want to do that to the man. So the Ashford and Simpson dude, he's playing the preacher. So he's in the scene. He's hanging out with Neil Brown. They're giving money to children, you know, and he's trying to be like a Santa Claus figure to these children. He's trying to be a hero. So that when they get a little bit older, they could probably work for him later on. So this old man comes in and Ice uh, Ice Cube as uh, as the Ice undercover tea. cop. Ice T, my bad, Damn, I'm getting confused. Ice T as the undercover uh, undercover cop is you know in the scene uh, 
acting as a bodyguard. I don't know. I don't know why he's there. He's he's the drug, undercover drug supplier. So, anyways, the old man comes in the scene and he is credited as old man in credits. <laughs> he he starts trying to shame Nino Brown, talking about killing your own people, killing your own people. This stuff is poison. How can you do this? But Nino Brown ain't trying to hear that. And so the old man realized he's being annoyed. He pulls out his gun and tries to shoot Nino. And that's when uh, the undercover cop jumps in and, and grabs the guy, you know, put his arm behind his back and disarms him or whatever and escorts him out the building. <laughs> so, yeah, so that that's the part that Zach's talking about. So uh, what, what else you got? Uh, when Scotty's is there trying to break the deal, but then uh, Akbar is like, I know him. He's an undercover cop. Like, right. Geez, and the you, worst actor. You have one. You have bad memories. Two. That's this whole time. Well, see, that's that's what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's a time frame thing. So we don't know how long it takes. And Akbar probably just has, is probably not good with faces. And I can see that happening. And the problem is he kind of looks the same all the time. Like, he looks the same. I'm like, he has sunglasses he's always, and It's not hat. like he changed his haircut. He always had dreads. He always wears sunglasses. He always has a hat or Kango or something like that. And he's real light-skinned. It's kind of hard to miss a dude like that. And he has the same goatee. So it's not like he made any effort to change his appearance. He looks the same Sounds as the same. when he was first seen. So if he had just shaved his goatee, then he would have been harder to recognize. But uh, so we're just going to have to assume that the only person, like uh, Akbar first seen him in the first scene in the movie when he jumped on Pookie and pointed his gun at everybody talking about, I'm a cop, I'm a cop, you know, <laughs> and put that money down, I'm a cop. And Akbar has seen all this. So now near the end of the movie, Akbar remembers who that this dude is undercover cop. He's like, 5050, here come the cop. I'm surprised. Uh... Nino's like, oh, this must be true. I'm like, okay, let's go ahead. What do you mean this must be because true? when he said he's a five oh, he's a cop, that well, that's what Ackerman said. Yeah. Nino is taking that word. And remember, right. he shouldn't really be trusting Nino uh right. Ackerman not, like that. He's not trusting Especially him when he screwed up. Right, right, right. So it's like God is he just he's well, definitely on edge. Or you know, if somebody say he a cop, you don't sit there and yeah, that's true. But he questions. is definitely on edge. Right, 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 right. So he he not gonna mess up twice. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so uh, what else you got? Uh, near the end, uh, it's like two parts. Uh, near the end of the movie where Scotty goes to where Nino Brown is now living after his one year sentence. Goes to where he's at. No, wait, was it? No, no, no. This is before he goes into jail. He never, no, they, no this he, doesn't have a jail part. So, yeah, either way, he still goes to his apartment, goes in, beat him up, throw him all, you know, out of out of the apartment, down onto the streets, continues to beat him up, and he has his moment. He's like, he wants revenge because that was the same guy who killed his mom years ago. Right, The right. same so-called crackhead. Right, right, right. Aimed his gun, you know, his partner that's there, who's also an ex, not an ex-cop. You he know, was an ex-junkie. Ex-junkie, ex... Because he's not an ex-cop. He's still on the force. No, he's still a cop. But he, he was just suspended a little bit. Yeah, he was an both, ex-junkie. They were both they were suspended. both suspended. Because <laughs> one guy, his partner, killed in a motorcycle accident, and him with the Pookie incident by shooting him in the leg. right. Uh, you know, they're grab, renegade cops, classic renegade, renegade cops. Grabs him by the grabs the gun away from Scott. He's like, It's not worth it, let the justice handle this. And I was like, Okay, let the justice system handle this. 
which didn't go as planned. Right, right. Did not he pleaded as as guilty and only got one year in prison. And then, you know, Nito Brown is basically being on confident. And as he's being confident, the same old man who pulled a gun out on the first time did his, does it again, shot him right in the chest. I was like, well, got him this time. Got it this time. <laughs> He's like, your soul is required in hell. And then, because he did warn him that he would rule what he sow, or sow what he rule, whatever the phrase is. He, yeah, he would reap what he sow. Yeah, reap That's what he sow. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that that was um, it. It was a great movie for his time. And there, the only was, one who lived throughout that conflict was uh, Akbar. Because everyone else, yeah, G Money shot in the head right, right, by right. Uh, Nino Brown. Nino Brown shot by the old man. Da 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 man shot by um, both Scotty and remember the other guy's name. Was he even <laughs> Peretti? Just say Peretti. Yeah, Peretti <laughs> shot him. You know, right, right. That's pretty cool. Uh, the girl. There was a female with them. She got shot by she was the Italian mafia. She was super gun toting. Yeah, she died stupidly. Know, why would you? Run why would you me? run into a hell of bullets? You know they shoot. You know, why? Why would you? Also, you all you have bad aim. Straight right. up, they all have bad. They what is what? She was so gung ho about shooting, but actually sucked at shooting. Only, a, only got like <laughs> and, one or two Italians, and then they only got one per, <clears throat> or two people, an innocent bystander, and her. And I'm like, you guys have horrible. Horrible aim. And right. Nito, use a little girl as a shield. I'm like, you are just a horrible Yeah, he's horrible just person. a horrible person. <laughs> just straight up use a little girl as a human shield. I'm like, wow. Right, right. And it wouldn't have worked because it would have went straight through her body and it would have hit him. So, uh, yeah, that, that was just wild. Well, one of my favorite parts is Nino's escape. So at the end, uh, well, when, uh, what's his name? When Scotty is discover as 5-0 and it's like that starts a big gun battle that's where the duh <laughs> the duh man dies oh yeah oh and, yeah i know what he's talking about and then that's where uh what you call it so nino runs while everybody's fighting so he's hiding there's a uh, one of the cops that's basically a random cop by the way no it's not a he's yeah, yeah, no no it was a random cop it was a random cop he sneaks down slices his throat Exchange clothes with the man. Right. Exactly. That's when what's his name? Uh Wong. Yeah, Wong comes up. He's like, oh man, one of my men is down. Try to see if he's okay. Ends up getting stabbed himself. Right. <laughs> that that was a pretty smooth escape. And then I was he made like, that is the smoothest escape I've seen. Like, come on. Right, right. He escaped like Batman. Because it's like when he cut the cops throat, it's like he hung upside down. So he was hanging from the ceiling. Uh, uh he was hanging upside down, reached down, uh, grabbed the man's head, sliced his throat, and then uh, stabbed the other guy. So that that was that was a nice escape. And then he later on he meets up with G Money. G Money trying to apologize, but Nino told him, "If this dude isn't legit, I'm gonna kill him and I'm gonna kill you." And he didn't get to kill the undercover cop. He got to kill G Money. Right. So that that was that was a that was a. That was an impactful scene. I also want to say, I think he probably knew that G Money was using his own drugs. Like, oh, no, yeah, he he probably knew that for a while. Um, and so, uh, yeah, they were talking about, um, yeah, I love you, brother. I love you, brother. And I also, I, I, I feel like uh, what G Money wanted to do was like basically bring up how he said that nothing would come, uh, come in between them. Right. And how he, you know, how he let that one bimbo girl that he had go in between them. Right, but like but you said, he was like, but uh, he didn't mean a thing because 
Caesar's on the side. Right. No, but it's not that he didn't. No, it, it didn't mean a thing because he didn't care about anybody. But more than that, uh, what you call it? Um, so G Money was upset because he kept talking about the world is mine. The world is mine. It's like yeah, the world is mine. Tell about just, I got you the drugs. It was us who did it. Right. Not right. just you. Right. So uh, he mad because you know basically embarrassed him. You know, put him down. He not seeing. He's not being seen as an equal to his brother. He's just seen as like another subordinate that he can just walk all over. And so he was upset about that. So uh, they had this thing where they said, "Am I my brother's keeper?" And then he's you know about like, "Yes, I am." Yes, I am, and shot him in the head. <laughs> so yeah. So uh, and after that, that's when Ice Cube, uh, well, Ice Cube plays Scotty. I dang, I keep saying that it's Ice T. Because iced tea is delicious. Ice cube is just ice. Iced tea is delicious. So, uh, <laughs> horrible, horrible so, analogy. So, iced tea, they break into his apartment. So, a lot of their tactics that, that they use is, is very questionable. Like, for example, during the wedding, the scene, the entire gang is at. Oh, yeah, at, at there. The and then, and then yeah. in the meanwhile, Peretti sneaks, sneaks into in. the uh, gangster's house and, you know, breaks to the safe, steals evidence. The problem with all this is that. I don't see how any of that is legal. I'm, I'm oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course it's not going to be legal. <laughs> it's like, so if you, you know, uh, break into somebody's house, um, what you call it, and, and steal Breaking evidence. Breaking and entering, thief, yeah. Breaking and entering and steal evidence, like no warrant or anything like that. Um, none of that is admissible in court, so I, I don't even know what the big deal, what, what was the whole point of that? <laughs> I, mean, I guess they could have copied the data, whatever, and then claimed they got yeah, it some other way. Yeah, they yeah they could have done that they and then that. put the evidence back in the same way. Like, we didn't even go near your house. Right, right, right. They would have had to do it that way. It's still, but they never even used that evidence in court. So it was right. like, what was the whole point Dirty of that scene? Work. Oh, they probably use it. We don't know. They didn't show the whole trial. Now, I think the most important thing in the trial was that even though, um, what's his name, uh, Nino Brown had admitted to being in CMV, you know, being a drug dealer. He said, but it was Akbar. He did the whole thing. He run the operation. <laughs> I'm like, I'm surprised my Akbar. Exactly. You're not going to say anything. You're not going to say, no, that's not, I know you are. I'm like, wow. <laughs> he was like, if I'm going down, all y'all going down with me. <laughs> and then he plead guilty and only has to uh, spend a year in jail. And so, uh, you know, walking out all, cock- all cocky and that's when the old man shoots him. So, uh, yeah, so I like most of the stuff. I like all the Stuff that you mentioned were the the impactful moments of the movie. You know what I'm saying? That that's those are the moments that made the movie. Those are the moments that people remember about the movie, especially that that meeting scene after he loses his empire. Uh, one of my favorite scenes that we didn't touch on is like when he like just putting the plan together for oh, taking yeah, he, over the apartment. He came up with a smart plan of taking over the apartment. I'm like, yep, right. That's right. the smart plan. You know, kill kill. I forgot who it was. He killed killed one person. And then went to the guy who owned the building, butt naked, with a shotgun in his face, right, basically right. embarrassing him in front of a lot of people. So right. he has no way of coming back. Right, right, right. Well, uh, basically just giving up the apartment building to, to Nino Brown because you know he doesn't want to get killed. I think he could care less about being naked and embarrassing and more about being shot. So like, yeah, that that was his main concern. But yeah, that. And that dude had a rough life. You see all those stab wounds on his chest? Oh, yeah. I was like, mm, goodness gracious. This man was stabbed, he, cut he, a lot. He lived a hard life. <laughs> it's like, goodness gracious. They didn't even heal properly. <laughs> 
So yeah, so uh, just just uh, like just the whole movie, just like have some of the most iconic scenes. It's it's rather quaint for our times now, but like back in the day, man, that that movie was powerful. It's powerful for us. The black the crack academic was 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 real and it was present and it, it was like we felt like the crack dr- drug dealer was going to shoot us on our steps at any day. Now there were like stories in the news about you know kids being shot by straight bullets and whatnot. And um, there were, you know, news stories about, like, whole apartment complex. Not, well, not whole, the whole building. Just a part of but, it. Yeah, just a part of the apartment building uh, being taken over by drug dealers. And I actually, I just listened to this story on this other podcast called My Favorite Murder. So in that, they talked about how there were these drug dealers. Well, they, it wasn't about the drug dealers. It was about the apartments. The apartments was so bad. It's basically... There were like four high rises, uh, and they just warehoused poor people. And so, because they warehoused poor people, they just gave uh, drug dealers or criminals. They would just go into apartments, and they would just occupy empty apartments. And they didn't, ha- and apartments didn't have like much of a police presence. So they did on certain floors the very same thing they they did in New Jack City. So like you know, it they were depicting like real events happening. In, in a fictional way. So it was just an impactful movie for that time. You know, let me throw that scene where the old man's chewing at the car for not being there when Nino Brown has taken over the uh, right, right. I'm like, right. yeah, you know, that is a good reason. Why wasn't there anyone under his jurisdiction there? Right, right, right. And the cop was totally ignoring him. I'm like, nope, I'm not, <laughs> nope. I'm just right. not dealing with it. And he was, the cop was like, la, 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 I can't hear you. <laughs> Right, right. So, yeah, uh, that, that's, uh, I feel like that was just real life right there. So, um, what did you think of this movie? It was good. See, I knew you would like this movie. This this is a powerful movie for that time. 1991, this, this is like, it hits you to the chest. That's what this movie do. It hits you to the chest. <laughs> so, that's why I wanted to share this movie with you. So, so now you understand why you needed to see this movie. Uh-huh. I'm going to expose you, son. I'm going to uh-huh. expose you sure. to the culture. Uh-huh. You're going to know this stuff. Uh-huh. And you're going to read some books and learn about the culture. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, moving right along. I got you on I got you on trivia. Yeah, I know. So Get us off, son. Story, Tell us what this trivia is about. The story is largely based on a real-life Detroit gang known as the uh, Chambers Brothers. Uh, writer Barry Mike um, Michael, mm-hmm. yeah Michael uh, Cooper 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 yeah Cooper uh, got the idea from uh, for the film after visiting Detroit and learning about the gang's exploits. Right. So Mario Van Peebles had formed a friendship with Clint Eastwood when the pair made Heartbreak Ridge, 1986. When Van Peebles took the New Jack City screenplay to Warner Brothers. The studio was interested in the material, but weren't keen on having an unknown as the director's last lead actor. He wasn't the lead actor, but anyways. Eastwood personally vouched for Van Peebles and told Warner Brothers to give the kid a shot. The success of the film launched Van Peebles' directing career. Yeah. You get Eastwood on You get Eastwood like, Eastwood's like, give the kid a shot. More, more likely, it was like, give the kid a shot. Something like that. Something like that. So, um... Yeah, that that and and Heartbreak Ridge that was, that was a pretty good movie. Uh, on 
On Inside the Actors Studios that came out in 1994, Chris Rock claimed that for several years following his acclaimed performance as a crack addict, drug dealer would approach him and put crack and cocaine in his pockets, joking that uh, that they thought it was a documentary. He stated that although he knew people who used, uh, used crack at the time, he never did, and in his 1997 me- uh, memoir, Rock This, had only smoked marijuana twice. Right. So. <laughs> gave him crack. <laughs> right, they would just give him crack. Like, That's kind of messed up. <laughs> <laughs> the chase between Scotty and Pookie was improvised. The original idea was for the, for the chase to be a car chase, but the movie had gone over budget and was in danger of being shut down. Chris Rock instead hopped on a bicycle and Ice-T chased him on foot. <laughs> gone over budget. like, uh, we got to do something. The highest grossing independent feature of... Yeah, so this was the highest grossing independent feature of 1991. Outstanding. Okay. Wesley Snipes originally wanted to play Scotty Alberton. However, Mario Van Peebles and Barry Michael Coper insisted that he played Nino Brown as part of uh, as the part was written especially for him. He was like, we made this part especially for right. you. This is so, your part. He's going to find go. out. Oh, yeah, because... Uh, yeah, because Wesley Snipes. Uh, I think I wrote later uh, later on why uh, where they found Wesley Snipes or where, where they seen him at and why they wanted to cast him. Because, uh, yeah, Wesley Snipes would want to play a police officer. Like, nah, man. We, we, no, you got to do this part. And the name is Cooper. That name Cooper. is tripping you up. Like Chicken Coop. Uh-huh. It's COO. The COO was an ooh sound. It's not, oh, actually, in this context. Because, yeah, because, you know, there's, there's you copper yeah. and such. So, no, copper yeah. is one O, but look is not the same as Coop. But anyway, it's Cooper. So anyway, no problem. The story of Nino Brown was based on the Chambers Brothers story. These four brothers sold crack in Detroit. Like Nino had his apartment building called the Carter, the Chambers Brothers also had an apartment called the Broadmoor. They moved into the four-story, 52-unit building selling different types of drugs on each floor. They often sold drugs alongside families who already lived in the building, forcing them to leave or deal with the illegal and dangerous activity. Officials have often claimed that the brothers ran their drug operation like a large, very organized corporation. The foursome became nationally known when they were caught on tape counting laundry baskets of money and flaunting their wealth. Ice-T almost refunded, uh, refused the role as Scotty because he felt that if the film was a failure, it would negatively affect his rap career. During an interview with MTV's Kurt Loder, you know, I guess Loder, yeah, that's back cool. in 1990, Ice-T stated to Loder that he hated the police due to his... Uh, yeah, due to his past connection with the uh, Crips, however, not only was the film a hit, but it would also prove uh, prove to give him uh, his huge break as an actor. Yeah, because he was like, I don't want to be a cop. I have right. bad things with them. Right. He he had issues with the cop. Uh, he he did a song called Cop Killer. I don't know when that song if it came out before or after the movie, but I think the main thing is that he didn't want this movie messing up his cred. It's like he don't want to play a cop, and then uh, you know this this movie messing up his street his street cred even though uh, if it's a failure if it's success i guess it's all right but if it's a failure now your street cred is all messed up <laughs> ice t recounted in his autobiography that he was cast in a film by being at the right place at the right time 
That place was a nightclub, and Mario Van Peebles was also there that night. Mario said he overheard me talking shit in the bathroom, Ice-T wrote. I don't remember this exactly, but apparently I was telling someone, the problem is, if they could put me under a microscope and find one molecule of me that gave a fuck, then they'd have a chance. Van Peebles liked what he heard and told someone that whoever said that is going to be the star of my next movie. He found Ice-T in the club, gave him his number, and convinced the rapper to contact him the next day. <laughs> Tupac Secure auditioned for the role of G-Money, but was turned down due to the fact that he looked younger than Wesley Snipes. Secure would later portray Bishop in Juice that came out in 1992, a character similar to that of Nino Brown. Which is weird because the person that they eventually chose is also younger, younger. than Nino Brown, so that doesn't make any sense. I guess he was younger than he was definitely younger than um, the actor they eventually chose. Wait, um, let me see, let me find it. I forgot his name already. So that the actor that they chose to play, uh, what you call it, G Money, G -Money Alan like, Payne. Yeah, Alan Payne. God, I remember that name. <laughs> I, I just scored a faster than you. That's why. <laughs> no, I'm just. I, I forgot that name because I know. Like I don't know. I don't. I'm familiar with Alan Payne as an actor, so it was weird that I forgot his name. But anyways, I guess he wasn't, he's definitely not as old as Alan Payne is. So I guess they figured that they wanted some, somebody older than Ice, um, I mean, older than Tupac Secure. Tupac Secure was like a teenager. He was like 18 or 19. So, um, and I think uh, Alan Payne was at least in his 20s. So, oh, I done lost my place. Um, um, the letter K. Oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, Martin Lawrence auditioned for the role of Pookie. However, he opted out of the film following the death of his mentor, Robin Harris. You know who Robin Harris is? No. That's the dude that did the Baby's Kids joke. That's what he's most known for. I mean, you see him a lot. He's in the movie House Party, and he's done a lot of comedy. But the thing that uh, he is most known for is his Baby's Kids joke. And uh, he, he did a joke where he took uh, Baby's Kids to... Uh, to uh, what you call it, um, to, to Disney World. That's what it was, to Disney World. And uh, the kids running around talking about, small world, small world. We, baby's kids, we don't die, we multiply. <laughs> <laughs> you should listen to the album, go ahead. <laughs> this film and Boys in the Hood that came out in 1991, another film that dealt with drugs, violence, and black communities were released within six months of one another. Five days before it hit theaters, Rodney King was brutally beaten by uh, LAPD. Officers and the photos was broadcast to the world. It was cited as the cause for various distribution... Disturbance. Yeah, disturbance and acts of violence in the cities like New York and Los Angeles, which led it to being pulled from this some um, pulled from some theaters. Yeah, so that's incredible that that footage was caught. So, did you ever see the Rodney King footage? I feel like I have. I'm pretty sure I probably seen it in school. Right. Where guys just getting beaten down by a bunch of cops. I'm just like, wow. Right. So this is back in the old days. People just didn't have video cameras. They just didn't carry around video cameras. Video cameras are expensive. They're large. They didn't carry them around. So the fact that they caught this incident on tape was miraculous. Nowadays, you can see a video, a couple of videos a week of police behaving badly. But back in the day, it, it was is a miracle that you would catch it. And they must have been doing it a lot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like brazenly doing it. 
because you know nobody can ever get evidence on him. And this is the first time you have video evidence of you know police acting the way they do. So um, now they're a lot more careful because now everybody has a camera. So uh, oh shoot, I got lost. Again. What were you left on? What letter was that? Let's see. I'm pretty sure you're oh, gonna be on M. We're on, yeah, I'm on M. So the men singing a song for the love of money by Levert are the groups Troop and Levert. Two of the members of Levert are the sons of the OJs. Original member Eddie Levert, Gerald Levert, and Sean Levert. Both sons are deceased. Gerald dying in 2006 and Sean dying in 2008. On Jude Nelson's first day of work, the film security guards who were from Nations of Islam wouldn't let him on it's, set. It's the Nation of well, Islam. Well, the Nation of Islam wouldn't let him on the set. Nelson had to find a payphone and call the producer's office to be allowed in. Jesus, this is getting on hard. I'm like, no, nah, you can't get in. Right, right. He, he don't he don't look right. Uh, so I guess you're not familiar with the Nation of Islam. No. So the Nation of Islam is a splinter Muslim group. So they're primarily uh, blacks and they, you know, promote, uh, basically they promote black excellence for right. black people. But some of their beliefs are questionable. But <laughs> at least for my taste. But uh, they were, back in the 90s, they were very significant. So, uh, but they, I think they began in the 60s. Muhammad Ali was once a member of the Nation of Islam. And then uh, something happened and they decided to kick him out of the Nation of Islam. But Muhammad Ali didn't see himself as a, nation, uh, a member of the Nation of Islam. He was he more, he saw himself more as a Muslim than as a member of the nation. So when uh, I guess they had welcomed him back into the group, and he said uh, he said something like, "Oh, now y'all saying I can be Muslim again? I ain't never stop, you know." <laughs> so um, yeah, so the Nation of Islam they they would do this. Uh, they would have some of their members act as um, security officers for prominent black folk in the community so uh as i think um what's his name i'm trying to think of his name um but i can't um spike lee i think he probably hired nation of islam as security uh on, on some of his movies or whatever but anyway they were suspicious of judd nelson because he wasn't black so they didn't let him in <laughs> uh the movie was first theatrically released Oh, shoot, I'm saying this all wrong. The movie was the first theatrically released feature film that Mario Van Peebles ever directed. Wesley Snipes and Christopher Williams just so happened to go to school together at SUNY, the Southern University of New York. While Snipes was doing a one-man show on campus, Williams decided to help with the lighting and the backstage stuff. Wesley remembered him, and after he got a role of Nino Brown, he got in touch with the casting director so Williams could audition. The first word heard in the film when the studio logos appeared on screen, you are about to witness the strength of street knowledge. It's, it's the opening line of the NWA song, Straight Outta Compton. That's right. You're about to witness strength of street knowledge. I'm pretty sure he says strength with an F. I, that's what I heard. I heard, okay. I heard the strength. Okay. You, but I could be wrong. It could yeah. have been strength, yeah. but I imagine it as strength. 
Anyways, Orange Juice Jones was originally cast as G-Money, but he was replaced with Alan Payne. The film being screened at Nino's Palace following Scarface 1983 is Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song 1971, directed by Mario Van Peebles' father, Melvin Van Peebles. Mario makes his theatrical debut in, ooh, excuse me, in that film. So you can see the connection between uh, Sweet Sweetback's Badass Revenge and then later on, uh, Mario Van Peebles does a movie called Badass. See? See the connection? <laughs> I, I don't know if it's supposed to be a direct sequel, but maybe I should watch both of those films and figure that out for myself. So, um, yeah, so Orange Juice Jones, uh, he had, I'm pretty sure he's a one-hit wonder. The only song that I remember that he sang was uh, something about Walking in the Rain. That song that goes, I saw you and him walking in the rain. You were holding hands and I never be the same. You're done? <laughs> yeah, I'm done. So yeah, that's the only song I know that he did. One hit wonder, but that was that was a hit. So uh, I want to uh, wanted to make note that uh, I have an award section for this movie because this movie won the NAACP Image Award Outstanding Lead Actor in a Motion Picture for Wesley Snipes. So that's notable. So um, you said you thought this movie was good. Let's see what critics think. Critics gave this uh, 77% on Rotten Tomatoes. That is certified fresh. Or is it just fresh? I think 100% or certified. No, well, you know what? It's fresh, okay? It's fresh. And audience gave it 80%. They liked it way more than the critics. And IMDb reviews, uh, where we got all of our trivia from, gave it 6.7 out of 10. All right, so J.R. Jones from Chicago Readers thought this... Uh, uh, though this is often played like a 70s cop, uh, cop show, it becomes a prototype for the bling-heavy gangster mel melodrama of the 90s. Yeah, they did wear a lot of bling, though, didn't they? Yeah. TV Guy wrote, We all know New Jack City is making the right statement on drugs, racism, the system, etc. But the fact is, it's not very good. You know what? Whatever, TV Guy. Yeah, Robert Eber from Chicago Sun Times. Robert Eber, we encountered this man before. Okay, read along, son. Let's okay. see what this person says about this movie. Okay, the movie was advertised, no doubt, wisely as a slam bang action adventure, but in fact, it's a serious, smart film with an impact that lingers after the lights goes up. Oh, he actually did a thoughtful review. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. You have some serious issues. I am shocked. Anyway, Richard Luck from Film 4 wrote, It's still entertaining, but New Jack City now feels about as edgy as an old razor, and it's just as disposable, which is a dumb thing to say because, well, this review was later on. Uh, it was in, I think this review comes from 2003, but, uh, and the movie was in uh, 1991. So this is somebody reviewing the film you know, almost 10 years later. And the, the times have changed. So he doesn't, he, he, you know, he doesn't understand the impact that drugs or the drug war had on our communities. 
Janet Mauslin from New York Times, the film used of once imposing, now crumbling New York architecture is particularly effective in underscoring the story with an air of widespread urban decay. That that is accurate. I feel that that is accurate. Uh, Oh, going back to Richard Luck, I just thought of something um, that talked about how it's not edgy anymore. Is that... uh, it's because Nino Brown had made a good point. He was like, the only reason that, you know, this, we're, you know, that the drugs is bad or that we say drugs is bad or because I'm, I'm in the life of drugs, you know, this, all this violence is your fault because you made it illegal. You, you made it illegal. You, you know, it didn't work with prohibition. So why do you think it'll work with drugs? Which is a very uh, present thing to say. It, it's, um, it's impactful because now, you see they're starting to uh, legalize certain drugs or at least decriminalize like marijuana. Yeah, they're focusing on marijuana. But I think one of the states, oh, I forgot which one, is it, one of the Northwest states. They, they want to decriminalize all drugs, like no matter what they are. It's like, you know, it's not worth all this money and all this manpower over uh, a type of, you know, o- over substances that, you know, it's not bothering anybody else. Like the only reason that they're shooting over drugs or killing people over drugs because it's illegal as a black market item. But if it's no longer a black market item, then you know, you're not shooting and killing people anymore. At least that's the theory. That's the theory that they're going by. So that's why they're going to the efforts of decriminalizing drugs. And I think that instead of incarceration, they're gonna focus on rehabilitation. So yeah, we're, we're starting to get the message that New Jack City was trying to make. <laughs> So, New Jack City is currently available on HBO Max. The next episode, Star Trek, first contract, because I need me some outer space stories. Uh-huh. We need to go back to outer space. Beam me up, Scotty. No. You got anything more? No. Got That's it? Okay. Yep. Well, once again, if you like this show, then please rate us, write a review, and share it with someone. Believe me, it matters. As a matter of fact... Um, uh, somebody that I've been in contact with on the uh, on the Instagrams they had what you call it. I think they they were on the Audity, Audio Oddities podcast. So um, they were like uh, <laughs> they agreed with me that Roger Ebert is trash. Right, right. So the folks at Audio Oddities agrees with me. Shout out to them. Anyway. Uh, Be safe, hug your loved ones, and be outstanding. 